Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Parents, this episode is for you. We are talking all about parent-teacher conferences, tips and tricks when going in and talking to the teacher. Uh, for those of you who are teachers, if you want to weigh in on this too, we are. Uh, I am just welcoming any and all comments, emails, all the fun things. Uh, so before I bring on my guest, DJ Stutz, I'm going to give you a little intro to her and her background, and we're going to dive right in. Uh, parent-teacher conferences are coming up, and I know that I always feel underprepared, even though my sister is a principal at an elementary school. I still feel like uh, we as parents should uh, be as prepared as the teachers are when we go into these things. So hopefully this, this is a helpful podcast for you and uh, away we go. So DJ Stutz is um, our guest today and life is full of joy and parenting is no exception. Raising children is rewarding, but can be hard work at times. The Imperfect Heroes podcast is the creation of DJ Stutz, an early childhood specialist with more than 20 years of teaching experience. She was the president of the Nevada PTA and on the board of directors for natural for the national PTA. She has also testified before the Congressional Commission on Education and the Workplace. TJ was a parenting facilitator for the Clark County, which is in Las Vegas, Division of Family and Youth Services for 16 years. Among the many places she led workshops was two women's prisons. Uh, DJ has an immense love for children and fully understands the challenges and concerns that come with parenting. And DJ and her guests share their knowledge and experience through thoughtful podcast episodes whose subject matter is designed to help you develop the confidence and peace to be a great parent and imperfect hero, raising independent, productive, and happy children. Please welcome DJ Sets to the show. Welcome, DJ. Hi, it's, I'm so glad to be here. That was kind of a long intro. I'm <laughs> oh no it's fine it's funny sometimes I'll have guests on and they'll provide me an intro and I read it and they are always like oh wow that's a lot of information but I think the more information the better it gives everybody an idea of who you are gotcha. so are you still in Las Vegas no uh 13 let me see 2008 we moved to the Denver Colorado area right and then so, you are about to move again yes we are yes <laughs> yeah exciting it's exciting yeah. Well, before we dive in, first of all, for those of you, well, you cannot see DJ until I start posting things on my YouTube, but she is a woman after my own heart. She's sitting in her closet. She's got clothes (laughs) all over the place and I love it like around her because I used to uh, start my podcast in my in my son's closet. And so no one has seen these videos much, but uh, it's just your woman after my own heart with the great acoustics. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks. So before we start, I always do a, an icebreaker question. Gotcha. And so my mm. question for you is, um, dun, dun, dun. What <laughs> is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Oh, I'll tell you, that's an easy one for me. 
chocolate chip with walnuts. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I'll tell you my favorite um, memory. My mom, so I'm the oldest of seven. And my mom was a great cook. And she would make these chocolate chip cookies. And then she would make, I don't know, like tons and tons of them with seven kids, I guess. And then she'd throw them in the freezer. And so we would eat them for, and they would still be kind of soft, even though they were frozen. Ooh. And as they would um, melt down. And I remember one year, um, my dad had passed away and my mom was still getting settled and whatever. My birthday's in July. And she made me, gosh, probably five dozen cookies for my birthday and uh, put them all in freezer bags. <laughs> ah, I loved that. It lasted oh, forever. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great memory. And I, chocolate chip cookies, I think, are the popular ones, I think, for mm -hmm. sure. But there's always, I always like to ask that question because you never yeah. know. I mean, it's a classic cookie. It's my favorite. Um, so, yep. well, thank you for answering that for me. And so a little background. So um, tell us a little bit about you and your family. And we talked about your background in your intro, and we're going to mm -hmm. dive into to parent teacher conferences and see what you yeah. can uh, offer us. Sure. Well, um, I told you I'm the oldest of seven kids. I have five children and 12 grandchildren. And my five children are in five different states and none of them is Colorado. So oh, <laughs> I'm right. retiring from teaching this year and I'll be uh, doing this and my parent coaching full time. And we're going to go to Idaho and we'll be closer to uh, more of my grandkids. That's awesome. That's yeah. super exciting. I just, my parents just moved to Austin this past year uh, to be closer to their grandkids because my sister and I are both here in Austin. And so it's nice to have everyone together. And yeah. um, I mean, they weren't too far, but it's nice. Yeah, it is nice. Well, and then, so my husband's the youngest of nine, if you can. <laughs> so between the two of us, when we mush our families together, I've got 70 nieces and nephews. And um, you know, and our direct nieces and nephews on his side are all grown up and some of them are grandparents. He was an uncle at age three. So oh, wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot but, of kids. That's a lot. That's I've never had a time when I haven't been around young kids in my entire life. My youngest brother was three when I got married and he was five when I had my oldest and Oh, so you've always had young kids around always, always. Yep. And so what is your profession right now? Like, what do you do right now? Right now? So I've, I've done most of my time. I've taught teaching kindergarten, which I love, but I had an opportunity two years ago to come in with the school district and, and they had a, they have a preschool opportunity with most of the kids, we had a few typical kids. Most of the kids though are special needs. Right. And the majority of them. And so we have everything from, I have kids with autism, reactive attachment disorder. I've got them with, um, oh, I have one little girl who she is working on about a nine month level and is not walking yet. Um, and 
just does vocalization. She can't use words. So I've got them all over the spectrum there. And then I've got kids who just have some speech issues and, Mm -hmm. and there, but they are all amazing. (laughs) I love my kids so much. And I will tell you that these last two years, as far as kids and behaviors go, have been the easiest of my entire career. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. They're, they're great. Especially if you're passionate about what you're doing, it makes it so much more rewarding and fulfilling mm-hmm. to go to work and, and help. And, mm-hmm. um, I, my son was in, uh, that program, <clears throat> the, the, uh, PP, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking right now on the name of it, but he had speech delay. And so he went in ah. to, uh, when he was three and got some mm-hmm. speech and he, he aged out or he didn't really age out. He, he started talking, so we didn't, we didn't uh, need it anymore, but the right. teachers were amazing and you have to do so much paperwork when it comes to that, but um, the services <laughs> are, are, are great. Um, so when you are meeting with parents, so this is what we're going to talk about is parent teacher conferences. And, right. um, I know for me now I've got young kids, I've got a second grader, a first grader and a pre-K. And so next year, my youngest will be in kinder and my middle will be in second and my oldest will be in third. So I will finally have all three in elementary school, I guess, formal. And I just remember, and and when we started school in my household, uh, my COVID, it was Mm. kindergarten. It was kindergarten, I think is where my oldest was at what, 2019. And it was the very end of kinder and that's when COVID hit and it wasn't really the best ending of the year. No. And then the next couple of years, it's been kind of wonky, right? It's been virtual mm-hmm. parent teacher conferences, or that was like, well, they were still getting a handle on things. So I haven't truly really experienced a real one other than maybe at the very beginning of kindergarten for my uh, oldest. And So when you go into these things, I want you to help us maybe come up with a little bit more ideas of how to be more prepared, the kind of questions Mm -hmm. maybe we could ask, um, Mm -hmm. and what to expect when we come in and how to handle. Cause I know that every teacher is different. I've learned that my mom's an educator. My sister is one, my dad is one, the only one that's not in my family. And so, um, I've, I've been told what to do, what not to do, the chain of command, all the things, but, uh, with parent teacher conferences, I think it'd be really helpful. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think, especially when your kids are maybe in pre-K or kindergarten parents, especially if it's your first child might be a little more nervous, you know, once it's your fifth kid and you're going through, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So when you go in, though, it's really important to, I think, prepare ahead of time. So some of the things that you can do to prepare ahead of time is from the beginning of the school year, check their backpack every day. Right. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've gone into uh, a kid's backpack to help them with something. And I'm finding papers from, you know, two months ago mm. and it's jammed. So if you check in their backpack every day and looking at the work that they're doing, you're going to already have a really good idea of where they are academically before you even go in. And also another thing that that does is that signals to your child that what they're doing in school is important to you. 
and that you're really looking to find that out and to engage with them and ask them questions and, you know, talk about, oh, what did you write? And even if they are drawing a picture, they can talk to you about that picture and what it is. That's great. If they've forgotten about it, then, you know, you might want to ask a little more in depth of, well, what were you talking to your teacher about? And what are your stories this week? And whatever. Another thing that you can do is actually, before you touch on that, the, the work, like looking at their work is, especially with young kids. Um, I will just add for me, so I'm going through a divorce. And so the kids put down a lot of things, they'll, they'll, they'll write out and play out their emotions and their feelings because they don't either know how to talk to me about it. Um, and I've noticed for the past couple of years while they've been going through therapy and going through, um, just their own stuff, I've noticed a lot of their drawings and I can look at it and see smiley faces, happy faces, groups of people, one off. And, Mm -hmm. and for those parents that, and not everyone would really know what to look for if they've never gone through it and just going through play therapy and their therapist telling me to go and listen to what they're playing and how they're playing and interacting with like how the toys are playing with each other Mm -hmm. and the scenarios I've, I've read it and done a lot of research, but I've noticed lately, like my kids drawings and artwork are coming back and they've got the stick figures and it could just be just a, just a, a, just a regular assignment that they have to draw a scene, but it still comes out somehow. And so paying attention to that is a really big way of being able to talk to the ki- your kids about how they're feeling, or it might yeah. open something up for them. So right. that has been something I've been noticing. I've been trying to teach my nanny too. Like when you look at their, their paperwork, like give it to me or look at it. Cause we could really probably figure out exactly what kind of day they had yeah. or what they might be feeling. So it does come out at Absolutely. In their work. And even if it's just scribbles, that is meaningful to them. And so when you ask them, wow, I love this red part. What's going on here? You know, and then they can talk to you about it. Just because it's a scribble doesn't mean it's not a picture. Yes. And do you find it's helpful to talk to them right when they get home from school or to to take a break and talk to them dinner time, right? Yeah, I I would give them some outside time. Uh, some playtime, you know, and it depends, of course, on weather and where you're living. But if you can get them outside, even for 15 minutes, that's going to be huge for for them to just decompress. decompress. Yeah, they can run around, they're getting the fresh air, they're getting that to their brain. And the stress of the day, you know, can just kind of calm down a little bit. Yes. And yes. and they can have fun. And even if if you're out there playing with them, that is fantastic. And, you know, and let them lead. And this is probably a whole other conversation. Right. But yeah, I would definitely try to get them some time outside or at least some time having fun romping around some physical time, um, even if it's in the house, just right. playing around and then and then talking to them. But if you're looking at those things, when you go to your parent-teacher conference, you're already going to have an idea of where they are, uh, and you're going to have some great questions to ask because you have a better understanding. And so you might say, I'm worried. I think 
he, you know, he or she should be doing this or this by now. And your teacher can say either, yeah, they're a little behind, or they can say, no, 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 they're right on target for age appropriate behavior or age appropriate writing or reading or whatever it is. Right. And so when you come with these questions, cause you know, kind of where they are, you say, you know, he's, he's missing a lot of words. He's not, he's not, he's okay. He can only read these three letter words. We call them CVC, uh, consonant, vowel, consonant. Mm-hmm. And that'll start in kindergarten, unless you've got an amazing reader in pre-K I've seen it happen with pre-K kids, but so you might come in with those questions and teachers love those questions because then they know they've got a parent that's paying attention. Right. Right. And I guess for like for younger, and I can't relate to parents of teenagers yet. It's just, that's not where I'm at yet, (laughs) but I know that the, the knowing what the baselines are before Mm -hmm. going in. So for what I understand, um, like kindergarten, they want them to be able to count to a hundred and know all yeah. of their letter sounds. Is that pretty good of a base or, or is it count to a hundred and they have to know words. I do know. Right. There's a hundred generally, and it, it varies from state to state. And so you want to make sure you're checking in on that, mm-hmm. but, and, and this is a really good conversation to have, even at the beginning of the year, when you have, especially in kindergarten, you know, you have those assessment meetings and, but ask them. What are the end of year expectations? Do they need to have a hundred sight words, which is generally the case? Do they need to be able not only to count to a hundred by ones, but many states have them counting by tens and fives and some states even have twos. Right. And so if once you know your state's standards and, and so you can talk to your teacher about that, that's great. It's easy kind of to find them. Sometimes they're not as easy to interpret. But if you do like whatever state you live in, so I live in Colorado right now. So if I Google Colorado state academic standards for pre-K or uh, first grade or whatever it is, then you can find it. It'll pull things up. Every state is written a little differently. And so you might even take a standard in and say, I don't understand this standard with your teacher and say, can you explain it to me? What are really the expectations? Cause it's in, you know, mm-hmm. academic ease. So how do we go into as a parent? So as a parent, we're very like, especially moms are very like mama bear. So they're going yeah. in. And then when you start hearing your child does this, this, or this, and it might not be positive and, or we're not receiving it in mm-hmm. a neutral way, we as parents could get very flipped. We could be very mm-hmm. uh, defensive and be like, well, it's probably because X, Y, Z, and they'll start mm-hmm. making excuses. Mm-hmm. How does one maybe, um, wh- how should a parent approach and or prepare themselves to receive information like that? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you never want to hear that your kid is doing poorly and, or maybe they're behind and you're just like, wait, what? You know, mm-hmm. my kid is great because every kid is the smartest kid on earth, of course, if it's your child. <laughs> and, and I mean, it is right. I mean, right. I mean, because we love our kids and we always think that they thrive and there's, you know, some are just not academically. There's some, some are good at math, some are not like right. I, I've acknowledged my kids have strengths in all things. Sometimes um, they could be struggling and, and it's like, well, maybe it's just not challenging enough is usually probably an answer that you get a lot and mm-hmm. it's probably not the case. So mm-hmm. how would a parent approach that type of feedback? 
Well, and then there's also behavior issues too that sure you might be dealing with. Not by so rearing its ugly head at school that you're not exactly. aware of. Or right. it might be because of something happening at home and you have to make sure that you are communicating with the teachers. And yeah. I've been doing that with my, I, and maybe this is another question is when a, a teacher knows that there's an issue at, at mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. Um, I've been getting bombarded with emails on this, 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 and this. And it's like, I understand, but I can't do anything about it for at least the school wise. Like I'm doing, this is what I'm doing at home. Mm-hmm. I, I can't help you at school. Like I can't be there. So it's right. one of those things where I know that they're telling me, but it's like, I need you guys to figure that out because mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> I'm not, I'm not there. Right. And you can always ask if there's, oh, okay. So that's very interesting. And do you have a plan? Like, what's the plan to support him through that while he's at school? Um, and so then that kind of is putting it back on the teacher, but it's really good. And that's even part of what I talk about in my workshop is um, that when you understand the plan, when you come back that we've made, whether it's behavior or academics or whatever it is, when you've made a plan that when you come home, you're talking to your child and letting them know, you know, oh, you're running off when the whistle blows at recess and you're supposed to come in. So the plan is we're going to have you come in five minutes early so that we know you're safe. And, and so then the child knows what to expect and it's not just thrown on them, you know, When they I've been get there. talking about it at, at, at home as well. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. cause I hate talking to my kids and being like, well, your teacher emailed me again about yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I, yeah. and they always start with a positive and then I'm like, okay, here we go. You're going to drop my right. mom on me. <laughs> and it's always the same issue. And it, and my response to them typically is, well, let's, let's try something different or, right. you know, one week isn't give it more than just a few days, like give it a couple of weeks to start working because kids need uh, consistency and repetitive, like repetition. And so I, you email me on a Monday or we talk about it in a conference. And then I get an email on like Thursday and it's like, well, it's a little better, but they're still doing X. Well then just keep working with it. Yeah. So then Um, they say it's a little better. Your response would be, sounds like it's working. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Thank you for letting me know if they're getting a little better. I, I love hearing that. And it sounds like it's, you know, we're making progress. And mm-hmm. so sometimes, and, you know, uh, there are teachers who sometimes just struggle with understanding how to deal with certain behavior issues. And, um, and I think that some teachers are just amazing at it and they are patient and they are, kind and they are all of that and other teachers just struggle more and it's just different personalities uh different cultures different ways that they were raised you know all of those things come into play with teachers too they're human as well but so it's probably pretty easy it's probably then if you're going into a conference or you're starting the school year to mm-hmm. give I always try to be very open communication with teachers almost overly open just so they can mm-hmm. just also cut some slack a little bit uh, when they're having a tough day, because there's, you know, sure. you got so much going, but coming into a conference saying, okay, well, just wanted to just set, set the, the background for you. Let me show you exactly what the climate is at home, or maybe yeah. um, he just got braces and this is the, yeah. the, the giving them all the pieces. So then they can understand what they are 
walking into if it's like at a new school year or right. semester. Well, and even during the year, even like they had a rough night or they had, a, they woke up with a nightmare. And so that seemed to be on their mind. Grandma and grandpa are visiting. We got a new puppy or our dog died or any of those things really feed into a, a child and what they'll do during the day or during the week. And so that information is great for a teacher to have. I always love getting that information. I have a student this year and her grandma's in Ukraine, her grandma and her auntie. Mm-hmm. And so staying on top of things with mom and dad and how things are progressing and then listening to what this, and she's brilliant. She's a smart together kid, uh, definitely a leader. But making sure that if she says little things or if I hear conversation between friends, that kind of stuff, I know how to interpret it because I know more about what's going on with all of the stress that's going on right now with this lovely family. They're an amazing family. And so when there is stuff like that going on and then a parent is going into a conference and then they're getting delivered information where we might feel defensive, how, how should we approach that? Well, I would ask you first off to try and go in with an open mind and realize that your child isn't perfect. You're not perfect. The teacher isn't perfect. Right. You know, and other some, children involved. <laughs> yeah, the kids are not perfect. And it's so funny how many times that I'll have a parent come to me and say, so-and-so is, you know, hitting my son or so-and-so is being rude and mean. And I kind of am laughing inside as a teacher thinking your son hits more kids than anyone in our class, you know, but, but if they don't know the information, then we just, right. Think- or, or if you tell them sometimes, then you said with a defensive parent and it's like, well, but so-and-so, you know, they always have an excuse instead of just listening and saying, oh, tell me more about this. Mm-hmm. I want to understand more about this. Do you know, is, is there a certain time of day that this is occurring or, you know, Mm. and oftentimes they'll say, well, I don't want him playing with so-and-so. Well, that kid that he's fighting with the most is his best friend. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. So, you know, as much as you try to keep them apart, they're going to find their way to get together because best friends do tend to, um, you know, with girls, they're mean and with boys, they're physical. Sure. And speaking in generalities. And so I think when you hear things that you don't like or that are disappointing or whatever, instead of getting defensive, just I would ask, well, tell me more about that. What time of day is this happening? Or, you know, if they're behind in math, let's say, well, how do they seem to behave during math? Or sometimes if there's a behavior problem and they, and they're behind in math, it might be the behaviors coming during math because Mm -hmm. they feel not confident because they feel, and there are tons of strategies that are available to educators, you know, to help them through that. Um, So it's funny because I spent most of my time uh, teaching was in very, very, very low income schools. We had gang activity. We had, you know, Dad's coming in with face tattoos and oh my oh yeah oh yeah yeah we love and our we, face tattoo men guys just we do for you, for do. you fathers that are just <laughs> yeah the teardrops scare me a little bit but we love you all and um and I 
every year that I taught, except for these last two years, more than half of my class had incarcerated family. I mm. usually had two or three homeless families. So their behavior issues are through the roof. And that sure. might be part of why I'm coming here and now yeah. and saying, oh, this is not a problem. <laughs> right, right, right. I think, and my sister would tell me too, She, because I tried to get her to come on, by the way. I've been trying to get my sister on, but of course she's, my sister's just too busy, uh, right. she says, or whatever. But um, I wanted her to talk about this very, um, this thing as well, because she said that a lot of times, kids are presenting behaviors and things at school mm-hmm. that they don't present at home either because it's right. just not acceptable or they can get away with it, or they're finding that the teacher is more of a pushover than the parent, mm-hmm. but they, she's like, most of the time we're delivering information that they are just like, they would, they would never think that that would happen or, Oh no, not my kid. Or mm-hmm. that they're very shocked that the kid is not acting, or maybe they're really unruly at home, but they're super great at school. Right. We have uh, that too. Things like that. Right. You know, and right. I always say it's a testament to parenting that if your kid is acting out at home, it's a free space. They are comfortable. They know that they're, you're, you're going to love them no matter what. So they mm-hmm. can get away with more and feel free. And when they are polite and not unruly and doing what they're supposed to do in public when they're not being watched, that's a good parent because you're still teaching them. They know what to do right for wrong, but just because they don't do it at home kind of thing. Right. Right. And so I think when you go in and um, you recognize, I mean, how often do kids behave differently at grandma and grandpa's than mm-hmm. they do when they're at home? You or know, when mom's but- not around. I always oh, mom's not around. when you're not here. Like, yeah, oh my gosh, the stories of when I left my kids, you know, alone as they started getting older, my oldest was old enough to watch for a little bit and I'd run to the store and, and now they're all adults and you hear these stories and it just curls your hair. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, really that happened. I mean, oh, usually yeah. when I have a sitter or someone like if they're around, like if they are worse when I'm around. And so when I'm not there, yeah. then it's like, please leave. Cause they actually act up a lot more or they're yes. more clingy and whiny when I'm around. Yeah. And it's like, they were fine until you walked in the door. Exactly. Yeah. And we had some kids that, you know, with pre-K and kindy that they will scream and yell and cry you know, and mom sticks around and like, oh, baby, what's wrong? And da 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 And it's like, like oh, please, please just walk away. <laughs> right. And it's That'll hard fine. It's difficult when they, when they're crying. And I actually learned that I can't volunteer at schools with, with one of like, with one or two of my kids because they get clingy mm. or they get, they get like that at school. And they're yeah. like, they're never like that. I'm like, well, that's because I'm here and mm. I was just trying to help. And I'm just trying to be present, but sometimes it's easier for me not to volunteer yeah. at the school to do the crafts table or whatever, because it ends up becoming more of a problem or it gives me more anxiety. So it's kind of like, ah, mm-hmm. we'll just let the other parents do it. You guys can just deliver whatever it is at home, <laughs> yeah. you know, send home some things I can cut up and <laughs> right. But I guess at the same time, that shouldn't also be an excuse to miss out if you can, right. It's just like right. a delicate balance. On it, it is. And I think most teachers are very patient. I, I've always seen kids that will come in and or their parents will come in for a parent day or whatever. And you see behaviors that are like, Whoa, he never behaves like that here. And it's just part of life. It's just part of raising a family and raising kids. And, Mm -hmm. and I, I know parents will sometimes get embarrassed or whatever, but 
it's all okay. You know, yeah. teachers understand. Teachers, that also kind of brings up a question too, though, on whether you should bring your child with you to a parent teacher conference. That's it. Yes. That is a good question. What and do then you think about maybe siblings things? too? Because typically I would say, no, it's typically just parent teacher because mm-hmm. you don't want to feel like the kid doesn't want to feel like they're t- getting talked about. Is that or there's probably pros and cons to both. There's pros and cons. Honestly, there really are. And so you've got a choice of uh, even if your child is doing super well, teacher's pet kind of thing, you know, and they're they're strong. Sometimes if they hear too much good about them, <laughs> they get oh. overconfident and they can get rude. And, you know, um, and then there's the other way where, you know, you know, they're struggling or they don't get along with their teacher and so you don't want them to hear negative things about that. Right. Um, so, you know, there's that. And then too, when they're young, like in kindergarten and maybe first grade, those, so primary, when we talk about primary grades, we're talking about pre-K up through second grade. Okay. Um, and so when they're in the primary grade, sometimes they might have those shorter attention spans and you know, they're bored or like, oh, whatever, I'm so uninterested. And so they'll walk around the room and maybe get into things. And, um, and I've had some kids like really make a mess and the parents don't say a word to (laughs) their kids while they're doing that. And so then it's the cleanup. And then that sets time. You can't get the next family in because of confidentiality. You can't Mm -hmm. talk to this family while this mom's cleaning up. So you kind of need to know, but there are situations where you just don't have a choice, you know? Right. And, and so, but there are a single parent and if for some reason they can't do it now, I know it's more flexible where you can do it via zoom, but I think it's also better to do it in person because you can see the work, you can see what they're doing. I feel like zoom, it's like, can't really see. It's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. And I do think it's better than just a phone call too. And so there are steps and levels that go up, but um, yeah. And, and too, when you go in, you get a feel for the room, you can see what's going on, what the setup is, and that enables conversations then between you and your child. So, you know, maybe you see that their room is set up in stations rather than, you know, this is your, this is your desk and this is your thing. A lot of, um, primary grade teachers will set things up in stations. So at this station, we're doing math. And at this station, we're doing science. And and the kids will move around the room. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I tend to set things up. But I've seen other teachers that do like, this is the desk and stuff. And they're amazing teachers. So there's no right or wrong. But it gives you an idea of how the room is set up. And it enables more effective conversations down the road with your kid as you're talking about the day. So, but you know, if you absolutely have no choice, uh, there are some other things that you could do. You could see if there's a, a, a family that you're friends with, that's in the same classroom, you Mm -hmm. can see if you can have your conferences back up to one another so that when you're in with your kid, that family can be there during your conference and watch your kids out in the hall. And then you trade places. Oh, I see. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And and so there's always that possibility if if you have those connections. But let's say you've tried all of these great ideas and none of them are working for you. And so you got to bring your kid in, then bring your kid in. I'd rather have you bring your kid in than miss. And and so it's better to bring your child in. 
Yeah. I would, I, I always have like toys set out. We just finished. I just finished my parent teacher conferences okay. um, Friday. Uh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, but I had toys out and even in case they brought in younger siblings, there were dollies and, and different things so that they could be kept busy and we could get going. Another thing to keep in mind is generally with a parent teacher conference, you've only got, I've seen as short as 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if you're really lucky, 25, but it's not a long time. And you've got a whole bunch of parents that are generally behind you. And um, so realize that this isn't going to be an in-depth conversation. And if you leave and you have more questions or you need more information, you have the right to ask for another time to meet with the teacher. So you might have to do it before school or after school. Um, and so going into a teacher parent teacher conference, basically let the teacher get what she needs done first, go through everything and then hold your questions for the end. Yeah. And I would also even write down my questions so that I can see, because when I go to the, when I go to the doctor, how often do I go in and then I'm walking out to the parking lot and I think, Oh, I forgot to ask that. Right. Mm-hmm. Happens right. all the time happens with parent teacher conferences as well. So I would write down the things that I want to know and, and then prioritize them. What is the most important question that I want to ask during this conference and realize you may only get to that one question, mm-hmm. but you can always use email or zoom or another meeting time, but you have a right to ask for all of those things. But just remember and, and be aware. It just depends on how much time the teachers are given to do their conferences and then how many children they have in their class. Wonderful. It's just a mathematic thing on how much time you get. Right. Especially when there's 20, 22 kids in a class. And so there's. Oh, I've had so 28. Thin. Yeah. Right. It just depends on the type, you know, the large the amount of school. Um, right. The type of school you're at and the. the yeah. The, and uh, honestly, teachers need potty breaks, <laughs> you know, and if they're oh, yeah, doing sure. it in the evening, they probably need a little bit of time to go grab something. And, and so that they're don't, they're not hangry, hangry and grouchy their... at you. Right. Yes. yes. <laughs> so. Well, this was a wonderful, wonderful conversation and super helpful, I think. And I asked a lot of my own questions, hopefully, um, a lot of questions were answered. Uh, where can we find more of you? Cause you have so much knowledge to bring, especially with your background. Well, um, so can you share a little bit where we can find you a little bit? And I know you have a podcast, yep. um, and we'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes, everyone, uh, with everything that she mentions. Great. Well, thanks. Um, I actually have, so my company is called little hearts Academy USA, and that's where I have my parent coaching. I do one-on-one coaching as well as group coaching. And then I have various uh, workshops and I have places where there are stories and songs and different things, but you can always get that at www.littleheartsacademyusa.com. Awesome. I have a workshop. Actually, it's a one hour workshop. I'm offering it for free right now. Um, And you can get it at that website as well. And then um, I'm on Facebook little hearts academy usa i'm on instagram with uh, imperfect heroes which is the name of my podcast and i am also on instagram at little hearts academy 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Everyone go check out DJ and all of her links and go check out that free workshop. I mean, take advantage of it now while it's free. I think that any, any, it's just like business coaching. Like if you have a, a business or you own your CEO, everyone's always got some sort of business coach. And as parents, we don't know what we're doing or things come up. And so parenting coaching is just as important and there's no shame in that game. And if you can get help with being a better parent or using different tools, then I, by all means, I, I take full advantage of all the resources. And so I, for one, will be going and checking out the workshop and I'll be a huge advocate for parenting coaching. Yeah. 100%. Big time. And it's no judgment zone, you know? No, because every parent's different. Everyone, uh, parents, dif- parent styles are different. Their children are different. Um, uh, things come up, circumstances come up. I'm learning that a lot in the, in this, uh, <laughs> in this, uh, day and age for my life at the moment. And so I'm open and, and to all those things. And so I encourage, uh, you as a listener to go and, and check it out, especially if you're a parent. Thanks so much. Yeah, of course. And thank you so much, DJ, for being here. And uh, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. And we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.